Hello, and welcome Hello. to the podcast all about Crystal Palace Football Club. This is For the Love of Palace. I'm Mark, and with me is Chris. Hello, mate. How you doing? You okay? Yeah, yeah I'm fine. Good, good. Okay, so we've got three, three um, topics to talk about today. Um, I'm going to start off with um, the new champion or the Champions League, the future of the Champions League, and then we got was it Am- amortization? Amortization, Mark. Amortization. That one. <laughs> Players um, transfers. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, I, I know nothing about that one. So, like. And then the other one is my fun eleven. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll start off with the the future of Champions League. So, yeah. Yeah. So obviously we've heard a lot about it in the last month or so, I suppose, about what's oh, happening and what they're doing. But we thought we'd talk about it today, I guess. Yeah, well, I think it was prompted by um, Parish kind of having an article last week where he was kind of laying into it and kind of I think getting really the battle lines for. for for the big battles that are going yeah, coming up after this. It'd be devastating for English football, you've said, didn't it? Yeah, it was just a, it's quite strong. Yeah, it's great. I don't think that what the proposals are are that groundbreaking yet. That's the thing. Until it happens, we would never know, I guess. It's just, just, yeah, so we start off with, so they're going to get the kind of Champions League proper. They're going to change that from 32 teams up to 36. Yeah. And these extra um, four spots are going to come from one of them. It's just going to be adding, a, um, making France like the other countries, and adding another spot on for that one. Yeah. And then one of the other spots is for a team that would normally qualify uh, have to go through qualifying, and effectively they would then skip that qualifying and go to the group stage. So it would be like with um, a good example would be. I mean, the reason why it's there is, is for teams like Ajax, where they got to the final. Yeah. Yeah, the next year they started to go through the qualifying rounds because at the time the Dutch didn't have a um, an automatic space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into the, and then, like, yes, yeah, so then the other one is the um, the really interesting one is, is the two spots that effectively are like upgrades for teams that have qualified for Europe. So they yes. would have... Is it the best, the best historical kind of like what they've done before or something, isn't it? Yeah, and, but, but the way it's been reported, no one's really mentioned it. I think you still have to finish in the top seven. Right. So it's not like if made like this year, well, like it, uh, with last year, Arsenal had the best coefficients for any team that didn't qualify for the Champions League. Yeah. But they also didn't qualify for... Yeah, uh, did they other, qualify for Europe? Um, they qualified for only the UEFA Cup, didn't they? Yes, because they did it in the for the FA Cup, didn't the they? FA Cup, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure what would happen on that case because effectively, I think from what my understanding of it, you have to finish in the top seven in the league. Yeah, so they wouldn't qualify for the Champions League upgrade effectively. No, yeah, it's wild cards. It's yeah. So so if it was based on last season's Champions League, the thing that would change in terms of the qualifications would be Lille would get a spot. Yeah. Red League Salzburg would um, get a spot. Uh, Tottenham and Roma would have got a spot yeah. in the Champions League instead of being in the Europa League. Yeah. I'm, although I'm not sure actually now if Arsenal could win the FA Cup whether or not that counts. Um, <laughs> I think it also would be done probably on the same basis probably of uh, how, that's all what, what they've done before I guess maybe. 
because they've uh, well, been in there before. Well, the the coefficient thing, you still have to have qualified for Europe to, 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 yeah, to get the upgrade to, get to the Champions yeah. League. Yeah. It's not, it's, the way it's reported, it makes it sound like if, I don't know, Arsenal finished 20th, they'd have still got through. But yeah. But it's not. So it's, it's not quite as bad as, as what they're making out. I do think the, the big the big thing with this extra uh, teams and that, it, like, it takes the matches up to 10 matches instead of the six that it is. And with a lot of teams already moaning how many games they're playing throughout the year already, just an extra, you know, what's that, an extra four matches in a big competition like the Champions League, like, there's going to be a lot of blowback probably for their own league, league positions, you'd think, depending on how, big their, how good or big their squads are. Yes. So I think this is this, the, the, the pushing point because what, what's going to happen with the Premier League when this comes in. Yeah. Effectively, this is kind of what the, the, the I think Parish is railing against is that the idea that we're going to have these four extra game weeks. Mm. But again, four extra game weeks, it sounds like a lot yeah. when you think about it. If you, they don't use their first teams in the um, in the League Cup. So you could say if you qualify for Europe, you don't go into the League Cup. Well, yeah, well, you, could the you could get rid of the League Cup, but then... Yeah, and that that's almost all the weekends the done. League teams, though, money-wise, doesn't it? No, he doesn't though, because there's no real prize money in the um, league cup until you get past the semis. So, so past the quarterfinals, so you don't get any prize money. I think you only get gate receipts. T- t- yeah, gate receipts and TV money. I would have thought, like if it's say, yeah, but the TV money's not that much. Someone, like, small. It, it's, it's nowhere near as much as you'd be bringing in if you if you got them in the FA Cup, and you can tell that by the, the, the teams that people. Field for it. Well, yeah, yeah. FA Cup's it, always going to draw a lot more money as well, I suppose. Yeah, compared to League Cup, anyway. It, I think that's fact. It doesn't really. It, I think it's more of a training exercise. It, it's treated like a training exercise as well by a lot of uh, teams. As a Palace fan, I would love to win it though. <laughs> At some point, <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the problem. Do, about it. <laughs> I'd love to win an actual uh, domestic cup. But the is, at the moment, it's the Man City Cup anyway. Man City win it every yeah, year. Yeah. Come on. It's close to it. Yeah. And then they put out, well, a second string team that's good enough for a lower half Premier League team, really, isn't they? That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, they've got the, they've got the, the players and the, and the funding behind it, effectively. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the chance of, of any of the, the... How many years in a row is it? Is it four years in a row they've won it? Um, something like that, yeah. Uh, it's long, yeah, it's along the same line. It's either four in the last five years or something like that. One like that, yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've stopped paying attention to it entirely. <laughs> Just thinking Man City's going to be the next one to win it again. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Man City Cup. It's not the. Well, this is the thing, though. Say, obviously, the League Cup. Obviously, if it, if Arsenal do end up winning it, and then they win, obviously they get into they get into European places because of the League Cup, though. Does it not count towards maybe getting the upgrade, or if they're only in like the not the only League places, places, but the European places? But if it does, it just count. I if don't it's think it does. Mm. I think you have to finish top seven in your league. Yeah. I think that's just because of one line in the TIFO video that was on um, that I watched recently explaining the whole situation. Yeah, yeah. If you had to be in the top seven, yeah, just to get get this kind of upgrade and I mean it isn't that dissimilar to wild cards in tennis effectively yeah like players like you know Andy Murray's not, not playing on the circuit so he's not going to be high enough in the main 
rankings to get into Wimbledon or something like that because of injury. Mm. So they have the wild card thing where he gets into the tournament. He doesn't have to qualify for the tournament. He just ends up just turning up. Yeah, I suppose it's done by guessing he's England's number one, I suppose, maybe. Not where yeah, the country's there's number a lot one of this things about like, wild cards. Sometimes, yeah, you get wild cards for women for just being a decent British player. Yeah, kind of it makes sense. We don't have many of them, so... Well, I don't, I don't think he even ten- plays tennis no more, does he? I don't even know who our tennis person is now. <laughs> um, it, he's probably not number. He's still trying to get back. Oh right, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched tennis in so long. I don't even know now. <laughs> I won't be able to see any other player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then getting like um, the thing with this because it's also it's not with this um, new format. It's going to be more like the kind of NFL model where. You're almost playing random teams yeah. in the group stage. Well, I suppose you'd have a lot more. Um, obviously, with with what's that? Two two extra teams in each group. You'd have a lot. No, no, more. it's it's they're getting rid of the groups completely. Oh, they're getting rid of the groups completely. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that's why they're doing it. So it's so it's four extra matches, but all the matches you're going to be playing. They've not really said how they're going to format the the, the matches. I think effectively it will almost be like ranked matches where you'll play this team, you'll play that team, you'll play this team. Right. And then effectively, so it's it's going to be similarish to, I think, kind of the because um, it's using the scalable system that they use for chess when they have these massive tournaments where they have a lot of uh, people turn turn up, and this is kind of how they kind of yeah um, work out who should be rated where and. Without everyone playing each other, right? Yeah, and then so the, the top seeds miss yeah. each other, but then they play. Well, no, this is the thing: the, the top seeds will play each other. Oh, right. They won't necessarily be like one versus two. I don't know, but and it did sound like it would be there will be some seeding involved, and there will be the way it will work is if you're in the top, top eight, eight, yeah, since I've got you're straight 16. through, right? Yeah, and then the next sixteen. Then go into another knockout stage. Right, okay. So I think that the competition to be one of the top eight teams would be quite interesting. And I wonder, would them teams that didn't make it, because you know how at the moment if you finish, was it third in the league, you go into the UEFA Cup, isn't it? I didn't see the, yeah, I didn't see this trickle down. I mean, the biggest problem I've got from a Palace point of view with this, this tournament yeah. thing is that it's not increasingly, it's a scalable tournament. You could have as any size you want mm. it, but they're still limiting each country to seven places. Right, yeah. That's yeah. not really... So you... And they're, they're going to have three different tournaments. So there's the Europa League and the Conference. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just... It's, so the, the wooden know, spoon it, cup or something. <laughs> yeah, but just the idea that I think one team from England would go into the Conference, it just feels like it's a wasted opportunity. That, that yeah. I would quite happily have the Premier League move down to 18 teams if if effectively all the way down to ninth got into Europe, all the way down to 10th got into Europe. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, but even if it's a rubbish competition, just because it would be Just fun. fun to go to Fortune <laughs> Europe. But it could get to the point where, well like, well, like Paris said, it could be like devastating for English football that, you know, you get you get teams like say Palace that go to somewhere in Romania to play 
like in the European game, you just like it just feel like a friendly match in the, at the end of the day if you're doing it year after year. If we get to that stage where we can play yeah, year right. after think, year, you know. Yeah, so, so effectively, you you are right that, that that I would enjoy the novelty factor, and if if it didn't happen, yeah, if it was a yearly every year we got into that position. Yeah. Would that be as much fun? I think, yeah, the first couple of years might be fun, but then it gets to the point where this is just getting stupid now, you know? And is there, is there, is there going to be a financial boost actually. to that as well? Or is it just more like, no, more probably, Europe, be happy sort of thing? It, I don't think there'd be a financial boost. I think it would be very similar to um, to the kind of League Cup where it's just your, your playing out fixtures. Right, yeah. Because effectively, no one's going to pay big money to watch. Palace versus, you know, any other team from outside the Premier yeah, League, really. Unless they're a big club sort of thing, really. Yeah, so no one's really going to be that bothered by it. It's probably going to clash with the bigger Champions League or something. Yeah. The bigger European games. Yeah. So yeah. It, it would only be the Palace fans that would be interested in it, but it's a way of getting the other Premier League teams to agree to, to a lower Premier League. Mm. Yeah. But like obviously the way this could happen, it's going to open up all them talks about having just like a European Super League again, isn't it? Because so this is what it, this is technically what it could morph yeah. into. Because effectively you're you're building the building blocks, as I say, it's scalable. So you could this could become yeah. that, and this is kind of what the, the battlegrounds are coming up in the future, effectively, because you've got. It's almost like they're testing the water with this kind of thing, see how it goes, and then thinking, oh, why don't while we're doing this, we get all the big teams in Europe in just one big league, right? Because you already mess about it so much. <laughs> if they were going to do it, it wouldn't be a normal league for format. It would be this format. It would be the NFL format. It wouldn't be a league format yeah. because a league format doesn't work so well when. Because part of the league format is you end up with kind of a drill off play. You kind of end up with a couple of really big mm. teams. At the moment, when it's your own league, it's not such a big deal for these big teams. Yeah. But the idea of if they had a, a natural league, well, then suddenly it's not a debate of where these European teams would finish. You'd be like, all right, this is the clear best team. That's the clear second best team. This is the clear. And effectively what would happen is that then the kind of the casual supporters that just want to watch the best football will just watch that one yeah. team and then they can use that you've got more supporters you've got more sponsors you've got more this you've got, it becomes too clear and easy it's part of the reason why the, the NFL model works is because no one's really sure who the best mm. team is they give, they give out the Super Bowl every year but most years it's not the best team well, yeah, it's all, I suppose it's done by whoever has a, a good draft as well. It's a cup competition yeah. at the end. No, it's not even the draft. You just look at the, the facts of the matter is it's, it's a cup competition at the end of the season. You have a couple of injuries. Well, yeah. That could take out one of yeah, yeah, could it. take out most of your team. Because uh, yeah. the vast difference between having a quality quarterback to, and to having just a, a rookie, a lot of teams, some of them might have big difference. But even just just a general, just a, a key a key player, another position, or sometimes just certain teams match up well against other yeah. teams. Like if Palace ever played, do you remember when we had, we just seemed to beat Leicester really yeah. easily for yeah. a while, 
if we played them in the FA Cup final, it's not really a judge of who the best team in England is. It turns up as well. It's match up really well. <laughs> match up really well against Leicester. We've got good yeah, shots in yeah. this one. But there's other teams we never yeah. beat. Exactly. Certainly. So it's not necessarily you're judging, and that doubt keeps it interesting because you're not. You're never really sure. I do. I do love it how they're calling this new kind of proposal the Horizon 2024 though. As in, that's, the, that's, the, that's what I've heard. It's called Horizon 2024. It's just like the way they're saying it is obviously this is what's going to be over the next horizon, the next big thing for football. This is going to be a next massive change we're going to do to, you know, the greatest sport like in the world. I do, I do think it, they need to do something at the group stage. Because the group stage... It's rubbish. <laughs> I, I like it. It's, it's fun. It's fun. No, no, there's a couple of groups fun, but oh, there is some that are so oh, easy and so predictable. Yeah, mm. certain kind of yeah groups where, where you kind of know roughly who's going to win, who's not yeah. going to win before the fixtures are, are, are done. Yeah. It's just every now and again it, it, it spews up a nice group that's interesting. Well, I think this is the, one of the beauties of. Uh, watching Atlanta the last couple of seasons, the way they've just come out of the blue in the last, what, three years? And then last year, the way mm. well, they got all the way to the semi-finals was brilliant, I thought. And I didn't think them to be anything other than just uh, another team in the group that's just making up the numbers, let alone getting to the semi-finals of the Champions League. You know? Yeah. But, I, I don't know. It's... it's, it's Random. There's always one one team or two teams, isn't there, that always shocks you. Like Ajax the year before, I think shocked a lot of people. Yeah, they definitely they definitely shocked. But it's more the, the knockout stages, though, effectively. Like the idea of Ajax getting through to the, the knockout stages isn't mm. that in itself that shocking. Well, but then they're actually going on a run, and that's where yeah, it becomes they interesting. Just, they got onto the run, didn't they? They started to play. It, yeah. yeah. It's that sort of side of it that's interesting, not the the fact they got yeah. out of the group. Because you kind of, it always feels like, like there is a, the, the, the top end teams, there is kind of like seven or eight, maybe nine top end teams mm. in Europe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, I think there everyone is. could probably like kind of name all the teams quite easily when it comes to who's who's getting through their groups and who uh, who are the, say, even the top six or seven teams in the world are that will get, that could get to the final quite easily. But then it's all down to once they play each other, you know, and then, then you just, yeah, then you yeah. know, sort of thing. I mean, um, was it the Porto game? Obviously Porto played Chelsea tonight. The Porto versus Juventus game, I was never expecting Porto to beat Juventus at all. <laughs> so, that's another team. Like Porto's, Porto's always kind of been in and around, you know, the group stages. Never really yeah. like getting out the groups a lot. But obviously, they won it what twenty, nearly twenty years ago. So with Mourinho, and they've always made sort to me in my mind. Been that, in that team to just make up the numbers, and then they beat a team like Juventus, who have arguably one of the best players in the world in the team. You know, except for this isn't the, the Juventus of a couple of years ago. This is it's an aging Juventus, I mean, I and they're not 
They look like they might not win the Serie A for the first time in yeah. a long time. Yeah. Surprising after how well they did last year, really. So, yeah. I think that's down to management. Yeah. Changed, though. Very, very experienced, but yet such a great player in his day, Pirlo. So. So so the key key battlefields that they're going to try and squeeze the Premier League on, I think one of the, the ones that's coming is is when they play games. I think the, the European, the kind of um, yeah, the the European Champions League, they they want. I think they're on up Saturdays more Saturday games. So that that would really muck up yeah. everything, like yeah, because. Well, the thing with this will be is that at the moment they have real trouble selling the rights of the Champions League um, to kind of to places yeah. outside Europe because it's just it's an awful yeah. time. So eight, eight PM kickoff here Perfect. is three AM <laughs> in three AM in, in Hong Kong and in New York it's yeah. like three PM. So just, it's midweek. Sport is horrible for selling yeah. it worldwide. Yeah, because they want to make that rev- rev- uh, the revenue across the globe, really, don't they? Not just more for the fans of that well, team that you know that can't go to it and they're just yeah. watching it at home. Even not the, the tourist football fans. The tourist football fans find it way easier to get a weekend to go to these matches than rather necessarily yeah. take a whole week off and then go see yeah. them midweek. Yeah, you know. Like it's, it's a much easier kind of. I'm sure that you see a lot more tourists at a weekend game. Um, yeah, probably would do. Yeah, I think yeah, because a lot of people they if they're going to another and even, country, they do weekend games. So even look at like, like Chelsea, the point system, the loyalty point system. So you get more points depending on how bad yeah. the game is. The group games in the Champions League get way more points than anything yeah. else. Yeah. I'm not sure about compared to like League Cup and things like that, but like, you, you get a lot more points, more points going into a Champions yeah. yeah. than you do for, for for a league game. So that shows you how the, the, they're finding it hard to sell the tickets. Yeah. Then, yeah. So I think um, one of our friends, James, he went to the Barcelona game, and it was just like just by purely going to a pre- like a previous game. I think it was. Um, like in the Champions League, that you could get a ticket for that Barcelona game. Look at all these points, but then they do it on. You went to a different exactly. game. It, it was he was telling me about it, and I was just like, how many points he got was depending on what other Champions League games he went to and what other like league, even League Cup oh, games yeah, he went no, to yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's the way you know, he was yes, able to get a Barcelona uh, ticket against Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you have to, you have to, yeah, so it's like the past ones. You have to gain the points, and you get the points for going to home games yeah, that are just random ones. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, well. yes. So the other problems is, is that at the moment, Premier League games cannot clash with Champions League games. So that's why when our fixtures have been kind of a bit with COVID times, kind of have been a bit yeah. all over the place. What effectively happens is that that. And this is the reason why you will see like a, a six pm kickoff on a on a day when there's other Champions League football, Champions yeah. League football going on. Premier League need to find a fixture. Oh shoot, we've got think, to yeah, at six that was, pm. Happened a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? I think Manchester City played on either Tuesday or Wednesday, and then there was a Champions yeah. League games that night. 
but it, Manchester City are still yes. in the Champions League. They just had a fixture they had to play. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's more about the fact that they can, it yeah. can clash. It can't spoil the, the Champions League. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. so this is because this is the thing. If they so if they do get rid of the the cup, or if they do choose to reduce the number of teams in the Premier League, mm. then there's no way of less um, clashing, less like games as well. No, 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 but what I'm talking about is the idea is that the teams would look to try and find another way of playing right. games. So, like, have the League Cup, but it just doesn't have any teams in Europe right. in it. Okay. Well, you could, you might not be allowed to do that because the League Cup wouldn't be allowed to clash with yeah. the Champions League. Yeah. So, you then have to play the League Cup games at 6pm yeah. or something. Which, Which case, I'll be fine with, like, because... No, I don't think FA I'd... Cup might be a different I'd... a different story, I think. But when it comes to League Cup, I'll be fine with that being on the, say, Monday nights or something, you know, or Friday nights and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, there might there might be a, a way around it, but then you're still playing at the oh, weekend. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so Friday's yeah. a bit difficult. Yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> and the quality of the game might be a bit rubbish because it would just then become an under twenty ones yeah. cup because no one who's in the first team would be playing Saturday and then right, Monday. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, because they'd have to have a couple of break, couple of days break in between. You'd think if it was on a one of them two days, yeah, it's true. Avoid that or someone doing you know, doing an injury or something that is. Well, yeah, because you don't want players to play sort of a Friday night because they had to make the numbers up. Maybe because you've got a lot of injuries in the squad and then having to play on a Saturday as well. Yeah, you know, especially if, say say for Palace, how many injuries we've had this season. <laughs> like we'd be literally playing not most of our youth team because we can't, there's no way we could play two games in a row <laughs> in two days <laughs> yeah. so it would just become the Johnson paint yeah. thing effectively yeah <laughs> I don't know the Lamentary one's playing that I mean uh, uh, when are they saying they're going to vote on this to actually happen are they what so it it's almost all done the, the problem at the moment is the the Champions League is that they're um there's negotiations between UEFA and the clubs because effectively the clubs want to control completely how they sell right. this with the media rights. Because at the moment no one's bought the yeah. TV rights for this. So the clubs could do a lot of different things. They could just go to someone like Amazon and say, hey, do you want to cover this exclusively and do it yeah. all on demand? Or, so they're giving or clubs they a lot of uh, free individually. Well, so this is the clubs as a union. So it's like a, the oh, when the, the, the clubs change, oh, the European... together and they sort what they want. Yeah, what's best for them. So, at the moment, UEFA are kind of saying no; they want right. to have a veto. So if they do anything that UEFA doesn't like, UEFA can say, "You know what? No, we don't right. want you to do that." Whereas I think the clubs want to have complete control over what, what, how they're yeah. going to sell all this. So that's about- yeah, I suppose the clubs obviously want what's best of... for their club and obviously other other teams in that competition you know, what's best for everyone else but then UEFA could come along like well that's all rubbish for us <laughs> that's not going to generate what, enough income for us and that's what we want so you need to change this this well, and that I don't think UEFA needs to generate much income and this is the thing that I always find a bit weird with this kind of European politics effectively UEFA is the the representative of all the FAs. So it's all really kind of like a group of 
people that are trying to, to, to do the best for the tournament, effectively. And then you've got the, the individual clubs grouping together like a union who all have completely different ideas as well. It's like the, the European clubs group, it's not yeah. like it used to be. There's, there's a lot of teams. So it's the Juventus chairman is the, the, the chairman of this group, but there's a lot of teams in there. A lot of teams you wouldn't necessarily think would expect to be in there, like Newcastle. I think Aston Villa are in, the, yeah. in this group. I think some clubs are all. Why are they entered into well, in, Yeah. Even in Europe. Yeah, not even in Europe. They haven't been in Europe for a long time as well. Well, both teams, really. Probably, probably last time it was in Europe yeah. when they were probably both in Europe at the same time back in the you know, 90s, I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Hmm. And then, yeah, I just... Uh, I mean, yeah, so there's also like a... a yeah, I think with, with the 18 team, I think some Premier League teams might be interested in, in that because effectively it reduces your share of um, the TV deal and ultimately what you're losing is you're not losing a game against the top team you're losing a game against the worst team effectively yeah so you, the way you could look at it is you're losing a match against Sheffield United you're losing a match sorry losing two matches the against only problem I find with that though is how does that affect the rest of the leagues because at the moment the leagues down below the Premier League all have 24 teams so do they then relegate two teams in League Two to non-league, or yeah. do they then have just so, twenty-six teams in Championship? That would be the prim- that wouldn't be the Premier League problem. League that would problem, be the Football League problem, and, and that's where I don't think the Football League agree with. Then probably at the same time, I don't think the Football League would ever, yeah. ever have a choice because effectively the, the Premier League. So I mean, the, the, the Football League makes more money from solidarity payments from the Premier League than they do for yeah. their own TV deal. So their relationship with the, the Premier League is much more of, you can't do well, what they tell you. The Premier League sort of like, is their main so, controller when it comes to finances anyway. Yeah, kind of, yeah. What like, they do with it. Yeah, like generally, it's not, not all the, it's not that simple, but I don't think they'd be happy with, with the idea of less teams because it makes it harder for teams to get yeah. promoted. But ultimately, if they say to them, oh, we'll, we'll give you this loan or they'll give you yeah. this money here, you'll get more sort of that. There'll be trade-offs effectively. And this is what kind of, what Paris is kind of getting ready for is what are the trade-offs yeah. that are going to happen? Because there's a lot of things that they're talking about that these big clubs want in order to then, it's which ones that actually go through and which ones are the ones that they don't yeah. really want. So things like um, they, they can do a lot of fostering where effectively they say they want um, they want to sell their own TV rights for right. a couple of games a season, which would internationally, which would really mess everything up because if you're a, if you're a TV company saying you know what, I want to um, I want to, to, to buy the, the exclusive mm. Premier League rights, and then you find out that, that all the teams can sell six games independently or two games even if it's just as small as two games independently well suddenly you yeah. haven't got the exclusive rights it's and it also becomes very consu- confusing for the consumer because the people that are watching the kind of um, not all of them but some of them will be people that won't necessarily want to have to do all the research on this this is something yeah. they watch every hour and again 
it might not be the reason why they subscribe to the channel that they've just got this channel all during this pandemic hasn't come along with a lot of teams especially lower league teams where they haven't had their own you know subscription based of fans wanting to watch the game and they say you know a fiver a game to watch it sort of thing oh they're not it's called like Twilight it's yeah, actually, it yeah. is £5. Oh, I don't know. I think it might be... Yeah, 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 this has happened. I can't remember if it's £5 right. or £10 a game. Uh, if you're already a season ticket holder for a club, most of them like will let you sort, watch yeah. it as part of... Oh, right. So yeah, and stuff. And effectively... No, yes, yeah, so the Football League has it. Even Sutton United have it. If you want to watch one of the Sutton mm. United's games, it, you just have to pay oh, them right. a certain amount of money. Okay, that, that I didn't know. Because I, I did think this at the start. That it, they yeah, have yeah. Like a, almost like a Netflix subscription to whatever games you kind of had. They already had it. What you want to watch sort of thing. So the Football League's always had it. The Football League, well, not always, they've had it for the last three or four years. It's called iFollow, and it's only available if you don't live in the UK. okay. So it's not available to people in the UK yet, then? No, no, it is now, because of the the pandemic. But before the pandemic, it was available. It was was quite expensive. That's probably why I've never heard of it then. And I think yes, so it has been around for, and I don't think it necessarily brought in a huge amount of money, but it was something that, that they did with the with the, um, the, the the kind of football league. You could, in theory, if you emigrate to, to Australia, you could team. then watch all FC FC Wimbledon. Yeah, you could still watch yeah. all FC Wimbledon's games, but I think right. it was quite expensive. Right. Okay. That's good. Well, like I say, I learn something every day, as they always say, don't they? So, didn't know nothing about that at all. <laughs> so, that's good to know. Okay, uh, anything else you want to say about this new Champions League? Yeah, we literally covered it all of what, what I had written down and what I thought about it. So, yeah, do you want to take a break here and then uh, we'll get into the Amorous Station thing? I'm not a I'll I'll let let you introduce that one when we come back then. (laughs) All right. Hello, welcome back to part two of the Love the Palace. Okay, uh, we start with talking about this time, part two, we'll talk about. I'll let you introduce it, Chris. Um, yeah, so, so we're talking about Amazon civilization. So you got now doing it now, Mark. You got <laughs> me messing up. So, <laughs> it's how um, teams account for player transfers. Right. Okay. And I just yeah, it's something I'm kind of prepping for kind of a kind of article I'm thinking about writing effectively. So I thought I'd just chat about it at one point and, and kind of see what people are interested or not interested in. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I've, I've tried to look it up online and I even typed in like what it, what it meant and then tagging Palace with D on Google and I had no clue still. So this is all for you and I'll, I'll ask you questions based on what you've said really. Yeah, so sure. wherever you want to start mate. Yeah, so, so, so let's just start with just some basics. So effectively, so we've so each so basis currency, what we're trying to do here is, is show a True and fair position of what where the company is. So there's kind of two elements of that. There'll be the the profit and loss, which is kind of like in the last year, how the company's done, 
And the other side of it is the balance sheet, which is kind of like a snapshot of at year end, this is our kind of our assets and liabilities. Right. So our, our financial problems, our financial our kind of assets, our financial kind of good positions. Okay. And effectively, where um, what happens with this is that effectively, when let's use as is an example because the numbers are quite nice. Okay. Yeah. So effectively, he's a player that, that, that I've heard. Yeah. The number sounds the number's quite an easy number. So he, he signed for for five year deal. And I think it was about 15 million, roughly. Um, that's what I've heard, around about 15. Yeah. Probably going up to 20, maybe. Yeah. So, effectively, so what happens with this is that it's unfair then on the accounts to say, you know what, we fought this player. All that money goes straight off onto our P&L straight away. Right. It, it, it wouldn't be a fair way because the player is going to be here for five years. So, effectively, it should be the cost of it should be allocated spread out over the five years effectively because right. that's how Palace are using them effectively yeah this is a kind of a thing that, that generally can, when you see people talk about transfer fees it's not something that people really do is talk about it in and it frustrates me actually it's rather than a kind of a big total price of 15 million mm. look at it as well it's 3 million a year yeah Effectively, because of the five-year deal sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a five-year deal. Nice numbers, three million a year. Right. Yeah. And he's a player where there's a good chance you can. There's a good chance that we'll renew his contract, or someone else will renew his contract. So his value's probably probably go back up. You'd think after that time, anyway. Well, even let's just say he just stays a player for 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 his contract period. So so he's so three million a year. That's his, his transfer deal. But if you sign someone else on a three-year deal for fifteen million, yeah, then effectively, then and it's five million a year, but it's the same transfer fee. Yeah, that player is more expensive for you for on your on your book sort of thing. Yeah, that plays yeah. more expensive than what Izzy cost. Yeah, 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 effectively, yeah. So I think people do take into account of what of um, signing a younger player is better. Yeah. But it's just the idea that um, to quantify and actually saying, it, well, this deal would be this much per year, right. and then it kind of then kind of then goes into the wages. The way that kind of a football club would look at it is that, right, we've got this guy; it's going to cost us three million a year, yeah, and plus wages. So, average Premier League wages is about fifty k. A year, so fifty k a week, fifty two weeks. Fifty k a year would be great for Premier League wages. <laughs> yeah, so effectively, so his wages about. So let's just say he's on average money. He might not. He might be more. He might be less. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm never gonna know. So fifty two weeks in a year, fifty um, k a, a week. So he's gonna be bringing in about two and a half million. Yeah, a year in his time there. Yeah. Yeah, so, so effectively, so for his, the total cost of him is twelve and a half. Yeah, well, it's, it's five and a half. Yeah, five and a half, five point six million a season. Yeah, and that would be the way that you would, if you were actually at the football club, that's how you'd value them. That that would be how you would look at them more. 
So when you do a negotiation over what the transfer fees are and what kind of um, yeah, what kind of things you're willing to give away or not give away, right. you'd also have in your mind, okay, this is going to cost us this amount a year. Yeah, and you budget it like that rather than budgeting it in the kind of more in doing one lump sum, one in one lump sums. Obviously, yeah, worse off than if you essentially loan in the money. Um, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, so that's another thing that, that they'd have to have an eye on is cash. Yeah. So whether or not they can afford to do that cash wise. Yeah. And that's a kind of a different kind of a slightly separate conversation because effectively what what can happen is that a team wouldn't have the cash to buy them up front now, so they would try and they would yeah, try and spread the payments over multiple years. Yeah. And I think a lot of um other like say clubs like say QPR, I think they'd be quite happy to have you know, so was it fifteen million pounds? So say two and a half million every year, guaranteed in their account for the next five years. Anyway, I don't, I don't know how how that works because I think a lot of teams still get a lot of money front loaded. I, I think that it's still more front loaded than people. Right. So just say say we may they maybe got guaranteed ten out of the fifteen. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. I think that that's the, the way that it happens more often than not. Is that it's because with Rampersaka, Man United aren't paying us over five years. Mm. I think because that came out because we borrowed money on that deal. Yeah. So we kind of then used another company to say, "Hey, look, we've got this money coming in from Man United. Yeah. Can we?" Can you give us the money now, and then when Man United send us the money, we'll get them to send it to you. Yeah, right. effectively. So we got the money straight, basically from someone else, but they would yeah. get the money back straight from Man United. It, will, it won't go to us; yeah. it goes straight to that company. Yes, effectively. And well, it's secured again, so I'm guessing we'd still pay them. I don't know. I'm not sure if not. We just send Man United email and say, <laughs> "Yeah, put them into their account," or if we put it into our account and then. Send it, it would have to be some there. sort of paperwork somewhere, wouldn't it? That's the thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they got agreed yeah. to that, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, however, it would happen. Um, effectively, that... And that was a way of, of past getting the, the money up front, so that was... A, the interest rate on that was cheaper than the debt we had, and we paid off the debts with that money. Yeah, yeah. That's just a cheaper way of having our interest. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that kind of... The paperwork for that kind of came out, and with um, yeah, with contract renewals, uh, really, it can make things a lot cheaper, right? Because effectively, what you you'll do is then, so I'm going to use an example, and I always hate that. Do um, Juventus winger does oh, well. Dubai. Yeah, you go, Dubai. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Does well for yeah. quite a bit, gets injured most of the season, and he still does quite well. <laughs> he does yeah. well, okay, yeah. right. No, a, known, so. a very known, very good known player. Yeah. Well, because yeah, effectively, so what happened with him is that effectively, um, they both, they, uh, oh man, my notes are nowhere near as good as they were before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so effectively, so. Oh man, I've just realised I've not got it on my piece of paper. Oh. I did all the calculations. Your notes are now gone. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's on an email, not a thing. So effectively, oh. what happens with with him was that 
the original deal was, I think, it's on their accounts. You sort of review vendors, they'll itemize everything. So it's, it's a great kind of thing to just have a look at, right. just to work out whether or not, um, yeah, just to work out how a football club works and how the accounts actually work. Oh, so their their accounts are all up to see, and it's kind of yeah, they they yeah. log, they log everything that's coming in and out, and, it, and so, what's so everyone what... does that. Most people don't make it public. Oh, so Juventus make it public. Yeah, 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 just you know, kind of the Juventus like monthly report, right? And that will then come up with ex- exactly what the the, the um, what their numbers are, and something on it, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not that detailed, but it does have how much is on their books for these players, right? So, a good example. I want to go off on a bit of a tangent here, but but um, do you want to guess how much? It costs them to sign Ramsey. What from our, what um, the whole transfer fee or just monthly for it? So effectively, I don't think they paid Arsenal anything from because he was a free transfer. He was a free transfer, but I'm guessing they pay the agents' fees and then hit to the money to Ramsey to come to Juventus or something. Yeah, yeah, like a big sign-on fee. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that's got to be close to ten altogether. Ten million? No, it's nowhere near actually. Oh. So in Euros, it's. Um, Three point six million. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Okay. I suppose, in a way, you could kind of argue if he, he, if he, would, he, would, be on, more, he, he would he probably wouldn't have got that transfer in the first place. Well, I guess well, it, it could also be that his weekly wages are quite high, right? Because right. it doesn't necessarily show what the weekly wages are for him. It just shows you that on their accounts, this is the amount of money that they've amortised, right? And then will be the, um, the amount that they've put onto their fixed assets, and then they'll be slowly amortising it okay. until each year getting rid of it over his lifeless contract. His contract's a lot longer than I thought it was. It's, he's got a four-year deal with them. Yeah, he did get quite a long contract, I remember. He... Yeah, well, I, thought he was, I thought he was a free agent this summer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so effectively, I've got the, the, the numbers about dial but now I've, I've got... I found my email. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when he first came over to them, he was. So that's back in 2014. He was the the amount it cost them was, uh, was it, yeah, 33 million in euros. Yeah. Then so it was costing them about six six point seven per season. Right. And after two after about a year and a bit, they renewed the deal. So then it's got like a brand new five years. Right. Yeah. And that really reduced the, the cost of it because effectively, by the looks of it, the cost of renewing his contract was about seven million. Okay. Madness to me. <laughs> Still a lot of money just to renew the contracts, and yeah, it is. The yeah. that the renewal would be that expensive. And who who gains that money? Is it himself, uh, like, or is oh, it? It could be anything. So the thing is, is that I, I've not gone into enough detail to work out exactly no, right. how that's happened. So they they kind of tell you what your um, what the cost of the of the player's contract was as a total. So they tell yeah. you that the for the first two seasons, his total cost was 33 million. Yeah. And then they say how much is left that they've not put to the PL. Right. And that's the, the net book value. Yeah. And one of the things with this that I probably should have covered earlier is that with this, if a player becomes rubbish, then it will go down to. <laughs> so, so if a player, if on the open market they think, actually, I couldn't sell a player for that much. Yeah. 
Oh, so, so they're making a loss overall. Well, it's just basically like, oh, we've, we've signed a turkey here. Like, oh, right. oh damn. Um, yeah, we only better sell him for five million, we right. think. So then they'd have to kind of adjust it. So you know what? We can only hold him on our books. So when you say it's a snapshot, it's yeah. like, right. So it's the, the lower of how much money you could sell this player for or how much is left based on the calculation that we've got. Right. So it could be that a player has had a bad season. Actually, you think, you know what, we've got 26 million left on the books, but actually we can only sell them for 10. Yeah. So 16 million has to hit the PL to say that, you know what, that. So the, the, the devaluation of that player. Right. And they call, they call that in, impairment. And it happens every now and again. It's happened to Paris a couple of times. Oh, I can imagine. Yes. The reason, you think about how much, like, because, yeah, but the amount of money you sign a player for, they lose about a fifth of the value on the accounts every year. Yeah. If it's a five-year contract. So the amount of, for a player to then have to, to be impaired, that means he's lost a fifth of the value almost or yeah. more. Probably, probably more over a season. And often the valuation of a player is how many seasons he's got left more than how many seasons he's got left on the contract. Well, yeah, they always, I suppose they always probably weigh out the options, don't they? If whoever you've got, say, yeah. say he's 27 or something, you'd think he's probably got five five years left is, is um, you know, when he could still play at the top of his game. Probably... The, three years where he's going to be the best part of his game and then depending on whatever he's got left on his contract as well you've got to pay for that but so someone someone like like Eze back to Eze he's, well, he's 21 years old he's still got yeah. the best part of 10 years really to play that top of his game and he could always get better but then you could go to Gary Cahill he's 35 or 36 or something yeah. he's not going to get better well, so he wouldn't no. really hold any value because mm. effectively what happens is if if we only got him for a free and effectively he would have let's just say we we gave him a sign on the fee of half a million yeah. then effectively it would be uh, he was here for two seasons his contract so it would be well that would be a quarter of a million yeah. cost first year That's quarter of a million cost the next year yeah. yeah and it's just yeah. wages whatever we've had to pay for him wages was yeah wages was yeah. I can imagine it's quite high for who he's come from. I have no idea, actually. You never know about how savvy they are in negotiations. Yeah. I mean, he's come from a team like Chelsea, so you think... Yeah, but he was frozen out at Chelsea. Yeah. I don't he know. Wasn't, well, depend, I don't he know wasn't... He was getting there, like, beforehand. It doesn't matter. Year. Like, your previous wages have no relevance of how much money you, you'll be bringing in on your next contract. True. But then there's also... He can't, he can't the other thing just that I was earning this much of this club, well, yeah, it's great. They, they don't want you anymore. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, but then again, we've got the, the thing of, because it is Palace, if they really want to sign you, because, you know, uh, you know, he's, he's a very well-known defender. If they want to sign you, yeah. they give you the money that you want, in a way, possibly. I, 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 I just don't think you can really comment, because mm. it's hard, to, it's hard to, to know. It's hard to know with that kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, like, generally speaking, he could run all he could as a player he'd be like you know what I don't care about yeah money. I just want to play football at this stage yeah, of his career and, uh, yeah just, I just want to mess about this mm. is a place I like the manager I know a couple of the players yeah fuck it it'll be fun yeah 
still playing the Premier uh, League at the end of the day. Yeah, it's just, just like this is fun to me. Yeah, and actually, I, I, I'm sorted for money, so I don't really care. I'm just yeah. give me the average wage, give me fifty k. Yeah, or yeah. he might be the opposite size. Actually, this is my last contract. I'll go out. I really, I really need the money. But you, but then you go, you, you go people. elsewhere, wouldn't you? I guess nowadays, like you go to America or you go to China. I suppose if you felt that way about just your last contracts with money, wouldn't you? That's what, uh, how people have done in previous years, haven't they? Yeah, but it doesn't mean that he will want his wife will let him do that, or his this partner, or, or his family. Or yeah, this is true. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of things going on, and you, yeah, it's, it's it's impossible to know whether or not he's on high money, yeah. especially in that kind of deal where it's like a two year deal and it's kind of a mm. right at the end of his career. Yeah, it could be that Palace were desperate to keep him, and, and there was two or three t- other teams sniffing around, and and that meant that Palace, or oh, you know what, we need really need to pay some money to to ensure his signature. Yeah, yeah. You just don't know. I think he'd be quite happy to stay in London as well, wouldn't he? If so, it's not exactly far from where he's just come from. <laughs> no. Yeah, who knows? Uh, anything else yeah, you got so- to say on Amber? Amber. I'm just going to finish off one was Diablo is that when they renewed his contract it got like 7 million extra cost yeah but effectively it will then reduce the yearly cost down to, to 5.5 million right because effectively they've added those extra years onto the contract oh, oh yeah because so, he, so, he didn't they've finish the previous contract they've just signed yeah, it so, added so yeah yeah, if they added two extra years, effectively, yeah. to his contract. So things was, instead of it being spread over five years, it was spread over seven years. Yeah. And those two extra years mean that the yearly costs went down. Yeah. I think that with Dubai, like, well, you got to think with him, he's been linked with so many clubs in the last, well, he's been at Juventus for, what, six, seven years. Yeah. And he's been linked with clubs for six and seven years. Every year he's there. So then adding extra years to his contract just only ups the value that people have to pay for him in a way. Same with what Palace were doing with Zaha. Give him a five-year contract. It doesn't shatter the kind of the negotiating position. Mm. Makes you stronger, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I found quite interesting in their accounts was that they actually tell you the bonuses for agents if things happen. Right. So for him, there was a... there was a renewal bonus um, based on um, his before his first. So after he got his first contract, there's a renewal bonus of four hundred k. Right. Okay. And currently, there's a renewal bonus for for seven hundred fifty k. Oh right. Oh, so every time he renews, he gains so, a lot of money. No, no. Well, I, think, I, mean, I think these are for agents. These are the agents. Oh, that's the agents' contract. And it's not his. I, I've got a feeling it's not his current agent. It was the agent that did the deal before. Oh, so he's like a bonus, he changed, like an add-on Has he changed agents then? I don't know, but I, I, I wouldn't like to assume that he's got the same right. agent throughout his whole career. Right, yeah. Do yeah, they, they chop and change a lot, it seems, don't they? There's only multiple agents, which I don't quite understand. Yeah, how would that work? Like, one for his right leg, one for his left leg, or? Like, I don't know. Or I don't they don't do quite... different, maybe the agents do different things. You've got one for sorting out your contract, and then one for sorting out business relations or something, maybe. Yeah, I can understand why one they would have an agent for for um for the football contract, an agent for the showbiz or something like that. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a 
Yeah, I guess it's, it's however that they they feel that the best were kind of um, represented. Yeah, I think the last thing I'm going to going to cover on this is that the majority of the league, the majority of football clubs, kind of deal with it in the same way. Yeah, except for with um, Derby that they refer to them as um, they account for it very differently. They account for it as in, infantry. Right. Okay. So they, they consider the players' contracts as as infantry so you don't spread it equally over the, you don't spread the cost equally because effectively what you're saying is you're bringing them in to sell yeah and effectively you then have to then so you kind of you revalue them each season effectively and they still bring them down by value each season because you kind of have to because effectively what's happening is they are you're using them up each season right but effectively, they, they they hold the value much more, so the less things are going through the PNL, and what it's doing is it's creating a problem for you in the future. Because this is the thing that with amortisation and financial fair play as well, it, as a general thing, is that what you can do with there's nothing stopping you from signing a lot of players in one season. Yeah, and spending a lot of money. That's what we did before. Yeah, the problem you have is later on. Well, because they, if you've got loads of uh, different people you've got, got lots of money to sort of thing well it's not even own money from account, so we're just looking at accounts not cash flow right so let's just say you've got a, a benevolent person that just chuck money at whatever you're doing yeah okay so from a point of view of just um, with the P&L what happens is you're stuck with that amortisation you know that okay well, well we've spent let's just say a hundred 200 million on players. Let's say which else? We spent 200 million pounds on players. Yeah. Well, the next year, all of them on five year deals. Actually, no, I've done a terrible thing. All of them. <laughs> yes, this is 20 million divided by five. What am I, what am I doing? Oh, it's late. <laughs> but my brain doesn't work. It's four million. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so yes, yeah, so 40 million comes off your PL each season after that. Right. Then we get to the next season. The way the financial fair play is is working is on your yearly cost, not on how much money you've brought in on on that season. Okay. So the way effectively you end, then end up effectively saying, well, we've already spent forty years of, of forty million's worth of that budget. The next year you can't then go out and spend a similar amount of money, right? Because you've already effectively on the financial fair play side of things, you've already spent it. Yeah. you spent how much money you're allowed to spend in that season on those players. Right. Now, the way you kind of get around that, and the way that Chelsea get around it, is that they then sell players. Yeah. And you kind of, you don't have to sell a huge amount of players because what happens when you sell a player is it all then goes through the first season. Right. So, because you've sold them, you're not spreading the cost over any season. Any amount of time, it'll go straight through to your PNL, straight through to your profit, straight away. What about with their whole loan business scenario for Chelsea? Like, because obviously they've got so many players on loan, they get a lot of money that way. Does that they also do. clear that that PNL? Yeah, that would, but it's, it's a bit different because the, it depends how that works. Because effectively, if you've got like um, a player like. Let's say they've, they spend £50 million on a player. Yeah. Um, they get another team to pay the wages of said player. 
Yeah. And then they get them to do a, a loan fee of four million yeah. for that season. Then yes, they've made a, effectively made a, a million pound profit on that season because the cost of that player's contract is three million a year. Right. Right. But I think some of that is just they're trying to and a lot of those players, I, I don't know how many of them that are making money. So that definitely happens. There are one players that they have no intention on playing, they're holding on to them. Yeah. Or that the players where effectively they know they're going to take a hit for them because they've made a mistake and they're just going to keep them on the books and hopefully they can find someone that will pay a high fee for them. Yeah. And they'll yeah. just load them out somewhere just to get games. Just they're not around anymore. Yeah. So especially there's so many of them, it's very hard to kind of see exactly how they're they're, they're doing it effectively. Okay. And I think that generally speaking with them is that they're very good at getting a good fee for people. Yeah. Yeah. In this example, you don't have to get a massive fee. You don't have to sell 200 million worth of players to clear the amortization for those 200 million. You sell one player for 40 million. Right. And then that pops the problem until next year. Yeah. So just add, <laughs> it, add to you it. Know what I mean? Because effectively, that's the yearly cost of that spending spree. Right. Okay, yeah. So now that, that clears the problem for that season. So with us, like Big Palace and stuff then, because obviously we've we've barely spent, I'm assuming, our budget has yeah, been so very is, low the last, is... say, say, three years that, We've yeah. built it up to so then we are ready for next season. I think, I think this is what our problem has been, but I haven't tested it. So this is what I'm collecting the data as I have a look at and then mm. actually see, is this why we haven't been spending money? Is this just because we've got all this amortisation coming out each year yeah. and it's kind of killed us? Right. I think that's, that's what I want to have a look at. That's what I want to try and work out in my head whether or not that's the problem. Or I mean, the problem could just be like we've got a good enough team to stay up, so we're not going to spend money. Yeah, but then it's come to a head for this next season because of the players that possibly will be leaving that we need to bring in as well. Yeah, so in fact, I think for this season, for next season, I think it's worked out quite well. Because mm. okay. effectively, you've got at the moment the market itself is going to be a a mental market next season. Yeah. Because effectively, we've got a couple of things that are happening that haven't happened before. One, we can sign players from all around the world now. Yeah. Work permit system is different. We can now go, you know what, we can sign players from Colombia. Yeah. We've never really been able to sign players from Colombia before and get a work permit for them. Yeah, yeah. So that, that opens up a whole world of, of quite literally a whole world of possibilities. Yeah. In terms of players. And, and Pam's been pushing for the Kind of Brexit being good for football for a while. I think the thing is that he, he's been pushing for more than anything else is opening up all that work permit rules. Yeah. So effectively, so he, I would then assume that he should be making some moves in in that in that sense. Okay. That, that they would be. He's going to go far further abroad for uh, transfer for some, targets this way. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about the work permit situation now. Yeah. So now we know, relatively speaking, we'll, we'll most likely get a work permit for, the, for these players. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at which point we can then go around the world and find good well, players hope, to have. I hope we've sent the scouts out to random places around the world already just to get rid yeah. of that then. Yeah, yeah definitely. Think, hope, we yeah. always have rumours of, of um, us wanting a Brazilian player or us wanting this or wanting that. 
Yeah. And you listen to some of his comments where he's talked about frustrations with work permits. He's mentioned yeah. about uh, a couple of uh, articles, left he? back. Yeah, Alonso, yeah. Uh, Alfonso, sorry, Alfonso Davis, not Al- yeah. Alfonso. Yeah. So he talks about his frustration, but he had a deal done with him, I think. Yeah. Because the contract was sorted, he was kind of ready, but they just could never was, get... Could never get the work permit through. I think that was two years before Bayern Munich got him as well. Yeah. So effectively, there is... It's that there is a good sign that effectively we've now got funds available, we've got wages available effectively because yeah. we'll, we'll have, even if we renew the deals on these players, I've got a feeling some of them will take pay cuts because that's they just the plan. Premier League maybe as well. It, it just, generally speaking, just the, the market, if they go elsewhere, who would also then pay them more money? Yeah. Because effectively, you've got to then move to find someone who will pay you more money. And will they pay you more money? Because everywhere in football is a bit messed up. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only thing that could kind of backfire on that is, is that, that basically everyone says, oh, financial fair play doesn't matter anymore. And loads of shady people chuck loads of money in football clubs. Right, yeah. Yeah. It could happen, but I just don't think that, that it's what's going to happen. So, generally speaking, that's... So that gives you a, a real opportunity of there's not going to be many clubs buying. The clubs have taken a real battering in terms of money. Yeah. yeah, actually, last year, yeah. There's no gate receipts. You've had mm. the French TV deal collapse. You've had the German TV deal be renewed. The domestic one's been renewed, but it's been renewed at 10% less than it was before, I think. Yeah. It, so generally speaking, things are not going, there's not an upward trend at the moment. It's part of the reason why the European things are happening. They're making agreements for that now because they're looking for growth in the future. And that's right. where I think the growth is. It's not going to be from the standard quo. The things carry on as they were. They'll yeah. need to do things in order to make things grow. Right. Whereas before they could kind of leaving not rock the boat and everything was still kind of going in an upward trajectory yeah I think that, that, that generally speaking that the the markets out there just aren't going to be lots of clubs spending lots of money yeah yeah I think that because that we're kind of at a position where we haven't spent a lot of money for a long time we should have we should, some reason. we should have the money source in reserve sort of thing there Yes, effectively. We might not necessarily have the cash on us, but yeah. we would have the kind of the PL kind of cleared to be able to say, you know what, we can sign a couple of players and we can kind of kiss some frogs and find out whether or not Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 these signings are worth it and, and add young players in and around the kind of first team. Yeah. Now whether yeah. or not I've misread the situation, but I still think it is a is a good market to be buying in and a horrible market to be selling in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, for this the thing, we're, we're in that, this, this seat or the end of this season, we're in that market for buying anyway, not so much selling because we can't really sell a lot more than what we already have. Well, so. the, 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 I think the was last season, we would have sold a couple of players if we could. Yeah. I think, I think the fact of the matter is the reason why Max Meyer's contract was cancelled because we couldn't find a team willing to, to buy him. Yeah. 
I think it probably it's in a way with him as well. Like it was coming, what is like six months left to the contract? Then you know he clearly wanted to play football. I mean, whether or not it was down to wanting to play football to try and get in this German squad, and the only way to do it is get make sure you get first team. I don't think he's ever going to get in that German squad. Even if he played every game, he wouldn't. I mean, they're not doing great anyway, are they? So no, I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? Even if you no, it's these. I I know you back yourself, but he would he wouldn't get into the German squad. (laughs) (laughs) Not based on half a season of playing well. I've seen a couple of games of him since he's gone there like, on TV and he, he looks alright like well, playing a totally different team. role than what he was playing him in that, which is not a surprise <laughs> he's not a left winger <laughs> he wasn't really oh, let's, let's save that for another time let's move on for another day that one. We, we'll do that when it comes to transfers talk I think in the near future <laughs> ok well, uh, anything else about Amor no, no. cessation Whatever it is. I must have station. Done. All done, right. Just stop trying. Just stop. I know. I'll get it right at some point. But... No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just a posh word. It's just... yeah, it is definitely a posh word, yeah. It's just a <laughs> word used. Yeah, yeah. fancy accountants. It's really not about food. It's just a word that gets used. Okay? It's sort of an intangible asset, effectively, when you're trying to mm. allocate the cost out over a couple of years. Right. Okay, then um, we might take another break and then we come back for part three. Yeah. The most fun pad is 11. Cool. Okay. See you in a bit. Hello. Welcome back to part three of For the Lover Palace. Uh, this one we'll be talking about my most fun palace 11. And how long did this take you to create, Mark? Uh, Sore subject, it's probably about six hours. <laughs> <laughs> We've had too many fun players in my lifetime watching Palace, so it's hard. <laughs> so I've, had, I've whittled it down to, you know, a, a fun 11. And <laughs> <laughs> We've only three defenders. <laughs> Is it going to be a team full of wingers? Um, the, uh, to be honest. <laughs> Position. <laughs> it, it's extremely attacking, let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. In goal, as like we talked about on previous uh like podcasts when like with who you chose and I chose and then I then I gave up my one that I chose was Gabba Karali. Mainly Yeah, I'm sticking with Karali because it was fun to watch him play. Like and we said before how he tried to take down the shorts of other players in the penalty area at corners just for a bit of a laugh. <laughs> and, uh, it was just fun to watch him <laughs> sitting in the homestyle, just him, him in front of you, and you're just always thinking, what's he going to do? <laughs> but yeah, that, 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 one, <laughs> that one was kind of what straight to my head, that one. It was either that was going to be Kalinko, just because the punch okay. scenario. Yeah, getting punched on this. <laughs> yeah, getting punched on his big old nose. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I went with a four, three, uh, sorry, three, four, three. Anyway, and uh, first defender I went with was actually pretty surprising to you and probably a lot of people listening to this one is Sacco. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got a shrine. <laughs> yeah, you. you Bought me a shrine of Sacco's. 
and he's <laughs> literally and yeah I'm not I'm not the best you know I'm, I'm kind on the of the WhatsApp so you, you, you uh, really hammer him yeah no no and I still stand by that that he pisses me off more than a lot of defenders do because it's the lack of playing time the lack of everything and he's on a lot of money and so he, ne- he never comes back with full fitness and then when he does get fit finally he's injured again it just pisses me off all the time but so, frustration of, of he's not achieving what you want him to achieve. He's not achieving far enough of what he's worth is or his value is for what our team needed. And when he does make mistakes, it's glaring mistakes. It pisses me off more than. But he gets away with a lot of them, though. That's the fun thing that's for me. The, that's the <laughs> problem, though. He shouldn't be getting away with it. He should be just doing the right thing. <laughs> but when, like he, the... when he's on form, he, he, he'll do something a bit weird. You're like, oh. And no this is the thing, he, he, his passing accuracy alone is fun to watch because he can cut open the defence with a through ball better than most centre-halves can. And that's more the reason I've chosen him for... Yeah, like when he, he, he does... He cuts open he, he forward as well. Yeah, it's where he takes it forward, it is fun to watch. But there's the other bits that pee me off. But, that, you know, it's fun to watch when he's actually on it. So, yeah... Uh, <laughs> That one I thought might surprise you and probably surprise a lot of our friends who um, read a lot of my messages on the WhatsApp groups. <laughs> your, your general frustration. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> uh, my other defender is uh, Dean Gordon because he okay. had a beast of a left foot. Um, yeah. He scored belters from 25 yards out, 30 yards out and penalties and free kicks and that. Like, very young when I first, you know, obviously knew him and watched him play. But oh my god, he's such good! He had such a good left foot on him, brilliant. So yeah. there's uh, Dean Gordon. My other one is Danny Butterfield, mainly for the three goals he got against Wolves because that was probably the most fun I've ever had. Seen. He was a striker then. <laughs> he was playing, it, but yeah, well, <laughs> should be in Fury, yeah, because that's where he got his hat trick. But he played. A ton of games for us, didn't he? Like, yeah, got to be close to 300 games, if not more than 300 games for us. Like, he was there a long time, and you know, he was just good going forward, like, genuine good guy by the sounds of it in the dressing room and everything. So, you know, he was he seemed like a good one to put in there. Yeah, and he's always had that kind of that always, haircut, always, yeah, the kind of. The mop head. Oh, the mop head, yeah. It was massive. Lump of hair on top of his head. <laughs> yeah. And then um, four-man midfield of three wingers, basically, and one centre midfielder. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my, my team on, pay, on the, the actual, uh, if you're ever coming against them, probably wouldn't be that great. Defensively, it'd be a five-five game every game. You know, it'd be nice. <laughs> so I've gone with uh, Attilio Lombardo, just because probably one of the greatest players to play in the Palace shirt, and just yeah. wow, <laughs> you know, he was good. Just and was... wow, and ridiculous how we ever signed him. You know, but I think that was the era, though, wasn't it? Of just just chucking loads of money at Italian players. Yeah. Pad, well, Pad, Pad Dover, Pad, Pad, what was, was, even just the Premier League in general. 
Yeah, well, that's you actually, yeah. Uh, Middlesbrough. Yeah, Ravioli is Janine. I know Janine is Brazilian, but Zola is already up at Chelsea with Viali and. Wasn't Viali quite close with Lombardo? That, that helped them to move. Yeah, they both played with Viali together as well. And he said about how nice London was, I think, if I remember rightly. To, so he should come play in London. Which probably helped Lombardo settle in quite well as well. We're having a lot of other Italians around him being so close to like, the Chelsea squad. Yeah. You know, and he seemed to really love his time there as well, which he was only there for a short period. But oh, what, he, what he, stayed a, he stayed for quite a bit after the, it, the relegation. It was only way through into the second season, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about to be when it was administration that he left, yeah. or, the, or when the. I can't remember if it happened after or before the administration. It was just, it was around it that was time. It was around the it? same time, yeah. And it was. Uh, I mean, they went to play for Lazio and. Won the European Cup yeah. under Sven, wasn't it? Yeah, Sven, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that we ever got him, still. Like, to this day, yeah. like, having a player like Lombardo. Ridiculous. Also, because he, when he was at Juventus, he was involved in the, the run that got to the Champions, to Champions League, League final. So yeah, he, <laughs> did he win one and was the one that they went to the final? Um, I think he... Is it, is it the Ajax year or something? Yeah, I think they got to the final. I'm not sure if they they ever won it the year. Hey, after, I think... the year before when he he was there and then he went to Palace. They won it, but I think he was injured. I think I can't remember. No, because I think this is, this is like when he first joined. I mean, it's like ninety three, ninety. Oh, what when he first went to Juventus? You talking about right? Because yeah, I think he's only yeah, Juventus, yeah, about yeah. three years though. He wasn't there a long time because he was at Sampdoria a very long time. Yeah, and then I've went for another winger. Uh, it was Julian Gray, and obviously a lot of Palace fans controversial because the way he left, everyone hated it, and you know, whatever. But he was fun to watch on the wings. I just yeah. quality like that, that, that goal against Liverpool was it Anfield? Yeah, Anfield one. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Like. Just, how like that left foot that he had it was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? And yeah. just never, I might just imagine if he stayed with Palace when we got up to in the Premier League that year, it would have helped, I think. It would have been, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> would have been, I mean, we did have we bought in a couple of good wingers that year. Colker was quite fun to watch, especially the little dive around against Liverpool. <laughs> was it Liverpool? Yeah, it was, it was, it, was yeah. it again, like when Barros fell to the floor, yeah, it, wasn't it? it? Yeah. Did he get booked for it as he well? He got booked for it. <laughs> and he just, I think he got booked for it and he just like dived on the floor just pretending to, this is what Barros just did and that, that was fun. But Colker didn't make it into my 11 because of that. <laughs> was, I chose Julian Gray because he was just fun to, to watch. But a player, well, my next two players are players that did play in that Premier League year. And that was uh, Wayne Routledge, who, again... Yeah. Brilliant to watch on the wing for Palace, and you know, just a, a shame that we went down because there was nowhere else he, apart from his career to, it was to go up. But it's a shame it went to Tottenham where he got put in the basically the squad. And no, really... no, because was, was that he had injury, so he was playing, and then he got injured, and that's when Lennon kind of sprung out Lennon and came really out well. that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of put him back so, 
It wasn't until his yes. Swansea days, was it, when he uh, kind of was like, right, no, right, he, he, no, he, he did really well for QPR as well, to be fair. I forgot about QPR, actually. You know? He's yeah. been, he's been, and was it Newcastle as well? I think he was he, everywhere, wasn't he? He went for a while. He went everywhere for a while, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. But yeah, no, he was top quality at Palace. Obviously, come through as a youth player, young youth player. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was brilliant for us. And my other player from, you know, the play for us in the Premier League is Michael Hughes. Mainly because the guy was absolute brute force in the middle of the park. And he was only about five foot five. Like, absolute brilliant player on the ball, great technical ability. I think the year we went up into the Premier League in what, 2003, 2004, in that, in that get the championship scene, I think I'm ready. He had 17 yellow cards. 17 yellow cards, like yellow card every two games. <laughs> Amazing. That's, like, a... that's just ridiculous, that really. Because <laughs> yeah, you know, when he came to us, effectively, he was just coming off that, that horrible thing between him and Birmingham City and Wimbledon, wasn't it? Yeah. Where he was on loan, he got injured, and then they. Both said they didn't own him. Yeah, they both refused to have anything to do with him, sort of thing. Yeah, the, 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 the transfer deal was supposed to go through, and Birmingham said, "Oh no, it's cancelled." And we would have yeah. said, "No, you can't do that. It, you, you've bought him now; he's yours." Yeah, yeah. He effectively had a year out, didn't he? And yeah, came to us and absolute brilliant, like midfield. Um, Workhorse, really brilliant midfield workhorse for us. Partnership with Aki in midfield, brilliant. And then that moves on me on to my um, forward line, which has two wingers, surprisingly, and uh, striker. <laughs> and obviously, can't not have a Palace fun eleven without having Yannick Velasquez. You know, Michael Hughes is a winger as well. Yeah, but he played more than midfield for us. <laughs> He played more than Sendry Phil. It's basically a free six. <laughs> no, sorry, a free seven. <laughs> I think it's just an 11. <laughs> it's just an 11. You really. always will play on the late wings. <laughs> well, imagine how much fun you'd have, though. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've got a Yannick Molassi because, well, it'd be stupid to leave him out of any Palace fun 11s. Because yeah, he's got to have he, him. In. Yeah, he, him himself didn't have a clue what was going on, let alone the fans watching him. And then suddenly he's through on goal or down the wing and like, what what just happened? <laughs> like he's just brilliant. Like he got better and better than each year he was in the Premier League. Like from a player that nobody kind of well wanted it, well fans wise didn't want him at well, Bristol. Yeah, like, Bristol were, were quite happy to get rid of him. Well uh, happy like... when we like, we signed him and he just went yeah. from strength to strength. Just basically like up yours and this is what you've. Uh, I'm going to prove you wrong now, sort of thing. And yeah, yeah. wasn't there like a, 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 a Barnet connection with him and Freeman or something? That he was he was at Barnet, uh, Yannick, and it was effectively Freeman kept an eye on Barnet because he's one of his former clubs or something, and they they lured into him then, and he was um, kind of following sure him since then. I mean, possibly that he could be right there. I mean, he would have been definite uh, raw young talent. So he went all over the place, Barnett. like he, yeah, like, he, so he was he at Barnet everywhere, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was at Barnet for a little bit. He was at Plymouth for a little bit, and then mm. 
He was in was the that, likes of League League Two, League Ones for quite a bit, wasn't it? Until Bristol came knocking for him. Yeah, I think they were in League One or Championship when we signed him. No, uh, Championship, I think. Championship, yeah. Um, the problem with, with Bristol City was I think I think they might have just gone down when when he left, yeah. and he, he had a, he. I think he did start okay there, and then things went sour. Yeah, yeah. It's just a strange one now. They was very happy to get rid of him and. He came to us and just formed a, a brilliant partnership with, you know, Zaha and Murray in a year in the championship. And, well, they, we know that. was a ridiculous year. Yeah. <laughs> just, they, just they clicked. You know, that's what you want. But, yeah, so from around it, Balassi, I'll go to the other wing and fun 11 without our greatest ever Palace player, in my opinion, with Wilf Zaha. And, well... Speaks for himself, really. Literally, he is God, basically, to Palace fans. He is our greatest ever player, I would say. And I think I think he has surpassed um, most amount of goals in the Premier League, I think. The record he's got, I think. Pretty sure. So, like 50-odd goals or something now in the Premier League. So, just tells you everything. And then up front is Andy Johnson. Which you could also say could be a winger as well, because he's in play on the wing. At <laughs> you one can point. play on the wing a little bit as well, but probably our most like in most of my lifetime, probably best natural finisher that we had. Like nearly nearly a goal every two games. You know, he's too he's too young ridiculous to, to yeah, exactly. I was too young to know more about Ian Wright and Mark Bright, but still know of them. But I was at the, I was at the age when he was wow, just like the greatest finisher we had. Well, there was that Villa game in the Premier League where it's away. Yeah. Where we just had that one chance and it was him. And it was just yeah. like, boom, it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, nothing else. He had no real service that year. Yeah. And he was just mocking them in for fun. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, you, you look down the list of some, like his hat trick, he got two, two hat tricks in a row, didn't he? One against uh, Brighton, which is yeah. always fun to, you know, I do, and then he got another hat trick in the game after, and I think I think he got one go- one goal in the game after that. I think, and everyone's thinking, imagine if he gets another hat trick. <laughs> I remember watching at the time, thinking he's on for a triple hat trick here. I think he had loads and loads of chances, but only got the one goal. If I remember, it could would have had triple hat trick. <laughs> would have been amazing. Did he get a hat trick that Stoke game that ridiculous was it six three or something? Um. I remember Michael Hughes scored on that as well. He scored a really great goal on that. Yeah, we do seem to score good goals against Stoke as well. I think it might be right, yeah. I think it might have been the Stoke game we got a hat-trick, yeah. It was, yeah. It was brilliant, though. Absolutely brilliant player. Just having them. Like, I mean, we had Glenn Murray, Glenn Murray up front with Yannick Balassi and Zaha, and I you know, could arguably say that was probably he could be part of the best fun 11 because they just them three up top were brilliant together, but couldn't not have it, Andy Johnson there. Just imagine having Andy Johnson with them two on the wings. Like, you know. Yeah. And there was a time when we had Wayne Routledge and Julian Gray when he was there at the time. It's almost similar situation, but, you know, Balassi and Zaha instead. It was incredible, actually, how how well Andy Johnson played as as a lone striker. Yeah, for his yeah, side. He wasn't... He, wasn't, he, he, he got a few headers as well. Yeah, he, he did. Maybe that one he that diving header he got. Um 
was it Fulham, I think. Uh, against Fulham, I think it was. Um, oh, I can't remember. What it was. I'm pretty sure it's Fulham. He got the diving header and he sort of slid near enough all the way into the goal with it. <laughs> like, and yeah, surprising. He's, he had a good leap on him. Like, yeah, you know. So yeah, no, he wasn't. He wasn't by any means any kind of like. Uh, uh, hold the ball up, man, a bit like Benteke would do, or try and do the flick ons and be the big target man. But he was on his own at five foot five, five foot six, or whatever he is, maybe a little bit taller. And uh, he did the business with his pace. His pace was just electric. It wasn't like because that season, effectively, it was him and Routledge. The only things really going yeah. forward, like everyone else was, was just yeah. kind of just trying. Everyone else stay back and uh, do your do your defending job yeah. and let them to do do the business up top. And then occasionally Michael Hughes got on a, a brilliant run. I remember that one that he ran all the way through about five players, saying doing little chip ups on the way there, like with, with his left foot and on his knee and stuff like that. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. But that that was my fun fun eleven. Yeah. So. I mean, we may be 5-5 five, five every game, but I'll be quite happy with 5-5 five, five every game. But... I think you might get found out, Mark, and it'll be like 7 nil losses. Get found out. <laughs> there might be a few. <laughs> 7 nil losses, but like, at least I've attacked. <laughs> what I also love about this is, is you haven't really got a big target man in the middle. <laughs> no, no, not exactly. You've hit loads, loads of crosses into the box. <laughs> From all angles, but, the only... but AJ would just have to try and do diving head. Well, this is where my all-out attack formation comes in, and, that, and I'll be playing Sacco up front. So, <laughs> Dean Gordon on the wing with uh, Julian Gray and uh, Yannick Balassi, and then uh, Sacco comes Gordon, he, through the middle. He did used to bomb it down that wing sometimes. Yeah, he effectively could have been left midfielder, left winger. He could have made my midfield as well, but yeah, <laughs> brilliant left back at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was it for me. That was my Palace 11. It's all fun 11, should I say. So, yeah, any any uh, any other players you think could have made your 11 or anything that, I, that missed out? Cause... I don't actually remember what my 11 was now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there's loads. We've had so many good players back, you know. Like that could have made that, and you know, I mean, we've both been watching Palace for the best part of what thirty years, nearly or something. Anyway, like, there's been a lot of players yeah. that could have made that, you know. Yeah, it's but, interesting. It seems to, to 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 be kind of a couple of eras on, on that one. Yeah, so effectively, yeah. It, it feels like your your eleven seemed to be very much the promotion. Well, the last two promotions, effectively, wasn't it, really? Yeah, basically, last two, two promotions, near enough. Not uh, 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 eight promotion. And then, <laughs> yeah, Dean Gordon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in theory, they're the best ones to watch, though, because <laughs> they got you up there, you know? Yeah. So, because I was thinking, I was, I was half tempted to put Gareth Southgate in there, because he loved to uh, score worldies from outside the box every now and then. You know, you could put, put him in centre midfield, or we could have put him as centre back. You know, it could have been either way. But then he's too defensive for me, clearly. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, yeah. 
That's it. Any anything else you want to talk about on this pod? No, I think, I think we're done for this, for this week. Yeah, we'll start wrapping it up. Then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's that's it. And and uh, say that that has been for the love of Palace. I've been Mark, and been with me has been Chris. And we will catch you on the next pod. See ya. All right. Bye. See you later, mate.